Welcome to Offkey, a member on Labs podcast about music professionals for non-music professionals. I'm your host, Linda Arnold. Join me, an industry novice, in conversations with members of Canada's music industry to learn more about their roles and how they first got started in the music business. I am back for one last bonus episode to chat with my friend, Talia Seibin-Wright, who will be taking over Offkey for the next season. We are talking about her background in music and her plans for season three, so make sure that you subscribe to Offkey on your favorite listening platform so that you don't miss it. Not gonna lie, having a semi-structured conversation with my oldest friend was a little bit funny and weird, but super fun nonetheless, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Okay, hopefully we can be a little more professional. <laughs> okay, from the top. Um, this is very exciting to pass along the project to a buddy of mine who I know is really good at music and really interested in music and who I know is going to do a really good job of this project. Hopefully. And treat it with so much care and love and passion as you do with everything. Um, But I guess we can start with doing a little bit of story time about how we know each other and then kind of how like I just like we decided to move the podcast in this direction that you're going to take it and how kind of how that because that was kind of a funny conversation um but <laughs> okay so we obviously have known each other since we were kids but we've always liked to say that we've known each other before we were born which I think is pretty cool um I don't think a lot of people can say that so you're a pretty special special friend <laughs> um for the record, that's because our moms were pregnant right. together. Right. Yes. We're in not, case that wasn't like evident. actually like <laughs> insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's not some spiritual our belief or something. Were just in but the that same. would be okay yeah. too. Whatever. No. To each their own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. And I was thinking, I guess, like w- how our friendship relates to this podcast, and um, it actually wasn't that hard when I started thinking about it because music has always been such a big part of our friendship, and um, I, like just thinking about you know, us being in my basement pretending that we were a band and like me singing into the nozzle of a vacuum cleaner because it looked like a microphone and like belting out I'm like a bird by Nelly Furtado. And then you were like drumming on stuff and we just thought we were so cool. And it was it was a real like artist moment, you know, so <laughs> pretty big part of our lives, I would say. <laughs> That was just one occurrence too. <laughs> you know what's funny? What's funny? Is I remember at this time, like one of like our like biggest claims to fame, this is so weird, <laughs> um, was like my uncle. I was like, my uncle did the plumbing in <laughs> Nelly Furtado's parents. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that was like such a big thing. And then we're like, uh, got older and we're like, oh, we're from Victoria. For Nelly Furtado's something. something in Nelly yeah. Furtado's house. I mean, that's parents, still cool, yeah. though, you know. <laughs> Shows that the pop star is just a normal gal whose parents have plumbing. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah, and we always danced together, and that was, like, obviously related to music, and we performed at talent shows. Michelle Branch dances? Big yeah. part. Um, oh, do you remember the Michael Buble version of uh, Crazy Little Thing Called yeah. Love? <laughs> my mom just found those videos. <laughs> sent them to me oh my god please send them to me they're so funny i think oh about god. them a lot actually <laughs> um that moment in particular because i feel like a weird part of me still kind of remembers the choreography oh yeah also um key in our choreography catalog i think must be mentioned is the 
album-wide dance piece of Hilary Duff's Metamorphosis album. <laughs> Every single song. Every single song. We should turn that into <laughs> Hilary yeah. Duff's version of Mamma Mia. We should. Basically, I think. That's the next step for us after this podcast. Yeah, a little bit less like important in the world's like musical <laughs> repertoire, but still pretty good, I think. Especially oh, that song. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Holy hell, what's it called? Um, Party. How does it go? Oh my god. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, we're getting so off track. <laughs> That's fine. I like it. Um, yeah, okay. So mm-hmm. we went from that kind of goofing around a lot with music. Um, but the interesting thing is I think both of us are very, very, very super extroverted as like tiny kids. Oh yeah. But then like immediately into school, we're super introverted. And totally. also I think because we were so close, we like didn't really feel the need to have other friends, <laughs> which is not great for us. Um <laughs> And I think, like, didn't really help that much. Like, we had other friends. Yeah. But I think that, like, we always kind of knew, like, we were it was like, oh, well, it's just us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And going to different high schools maybe forced us to branch out. <laughs> yeah. And, like, become our own, like, persons. Yeah. Because, yeah, we were very much one unit, which was kind of cool to have that person that you're with all the time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. To always do things with. And I think even as kids, I think we were both pretty quiet you know outside of our friendship but then together we just like we're so silly like you know we would do fashion shows with your mom's bras like four of them on at a time and then we yeah. would do we would dance my poor on the brother table. yeah we would play baseball with your oh my god no we would play hide and seek with your brother and just leave him in hiding spots <laughs> oh that's funny oh man. but yeah Sorry, so yeah. maybe a good thing that we parted ways so we didn't abuse him anymore yeah in high school around that time too is like when you I mean we both continue dancing but that's also kind of when you started to take music more seriously on like a performance level because I was always playing piano but that was just like a thing that I did and that nobody really knew that I did yeah totally I remember being super shy about singing and like as a kid growing up I just it was something I did privately and I would steal my dad's fake books and like hide by myself in my room and sing these jazz standards and just read along with the lyrics but it was something I never felt confident enough to do and yeah I think part of that was maybe growing up around so much music that like I was like intimidated by it perhaps and like my dad is a jazz pianist my mom grew up going like or grew up in choirs and went to a music school for high school my sister is into musical theater and so I was just constantly around music and I was like how do I fit into this and then I became really into Motown and soul music and I remember as a kid listening to the harmonica solo and for once in my life by Stevie Wonder and trying to sing along with it until I realized it wasn't a voice um, and it goes really high so I just became fascinated with Motown and I had this like classics gold CD yeah Motown classics yeah you, you know that me. one I yeah. still have it, it it's oh the best, the best music. I love it. And then, yeah, and then I uh, started getting into the more performance side of music rather than just singing alone and playing my angsty guitar (laughs) once I was a teenager and belting out in my sunroom alone, you know. So then I started, um, I joined like a rehearsal band at Vic High, which was like the prep band for this program called the Vic High R&B Band, which is like pretty unique in Canada. We've, um, we like toured to Ottawa to do an exchange with another band who was doing the same sort of Motown format. We went to Nashville. We went to Memphis, um, recorded where Elvis at, recorded at Sun Records. Um, 
so it was like a really special program and that like once I got into that band in grade 11 it was just like okay this is this is what I'm doing like music was just everything and I was still dancing but I definitely was moving more towards singing and I got into you know really studying like Aretha Franklin and like Etta James and just all of that music that to me was like the most emotional the most political stuff and I remember being so interested in the civil rights movement and sort of music to me was like not only a passion for like my own you know singing or my own enjoyment but also for fostering like my own political consciousness I think and so I think in terms of my studies in university it was like a big deal in that way as well you know the music that I was singing at that time yeah what so what what did you study in university then so I studied uh critical development studies which when I usually tell people what that is I get a blank face because it's it sounds like just a bunch of words someone just decided to put together um but it's actually a really amazing field and it sort of comes out of post-colonial studies and just looking at the field of development which can refer to like NGOs and like the UN and sort of you know making a change (laughs) um it sort of encompasses how development became this almost neo-colonial thing so I learned a lot about how to be critical of the world how to be you know suspicious of capitalism (laughs) which I would say is where I'm at today but uh right it's like you can't escape it so my program was great in terms of making me think critically about the world that I was in and just awakening my inner Marxist. Don't tell anyone I said that, but here I am saying it. You know, don't be afraid of Marxism, kids. It's it's some good stuff to understand and to study, just like capitalism, you know, all of it, all the isms. Um, <laughs> and I guess like critical development studies, I was really into the social justice side of it. And that's sort of what drove me to study it. And I had I'd done this, you know, I'd like gone to Ghana for six months after high school. And I was like, I want to do something that's related. But um, I'd gone to Ghana and obviously seen a different form of development, quote unquote development. And I was interested in like the constructions of Africa and like why people refer to it or imagine it as like, you know, mud huts with thatched roofs and like, that's it, you know? So I was, I obviously learned a lot about how it's not that Ghana was like, you know, almost more developed in some ways than in Canada in terms of like human relationships and community and like um, music. The kids there had this sense of rhythm in them. So anyways, Ghana was a big turning point for me in terms of studying development, but also in terms of seeing how music could be this way of connecting with other cultures. And it sort of joined those two things for me. And then in my studies, I became really into art as resistance, um, how art was used in social movements. And I was interested, especially in like indigenous rights in Canada and yeah, how like indigenous artists are using music as a tool to like reclaim heritage. And so that's sort of like how music has been incorporated into my studies, even though my studies have not been particularly centered on music. And I think part of me would have loved to study voice. Um, So if anyone wants to come give me a singing lesson, let me know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed sort of looking at music from that angle. So, like, that was a conversation that we had at, like, at lunch last time that you were in town with our moms. From that conversation, basically, 
we like mused a little bit with the idea of you taking over the podcast because we didn't really know where it would go. And I was just finishing up the last few episodes and kind of the perspectives that we were interested in taking. Um, but before we talk about that, as a music lover yourself, um, <laughs> are you like working now on your own musical projects? Yeah, I mean, I haven't like started recording. I've sort of just been setting myself up and investing my money in like, you know, buying mics and recording equipment um, so that I can do that and looking into like how I would record in an apartment in Toronto because <laughs> it's loud. Um, and uh, I have a lot of admiration for people that, you know, find ways to record from their home. Um but definitely I want to do more music and I've like, I feel like I've written a lot of music in the last four years of my degree that I haven't gone back to sometimes because like I haven't had time or oftentimes they're like things that I don't want to go back to emotionally. Um, but yeah, so I definitely want to do more recording and I'm like trying to learn logic, you know, and just like have some basic music production and just actually do the the learning that I'd been saying I wanted to do for a long time since high school. And I just like, you know, prioritize other things, which has been really good. But um, yeah, I definitely want to do more music. And I think being in Toronto is like great. Um, and I feel like it's kind of funny that I've lived here for three years now because I haven't really experienced the city much in terms of music, which is actually the reason I chose the city. I like picked Toronto and then I looked for programs in the social justice field and like turned out the IDS, the international development studies program at U of T is considered the best in Canada. So I was very lucky that I got to study in that program, but music was really what drew me here. Cause there's such a huge music scene here, especially for R and B and soul music, you know, like Daniel Caesar and people coming out of Humber, like there's just some crazy stuff. So I definitely want to meet people and I just want to sort of build a music community with people that, like fit in the same niche as me like you know back home coming out of the R&B band I was I had like you know my friends like Galen Julian Kieran or Kublaf people want to look him up um who then started like ESP or Electric Sex Panther and like sort of when I would come home like that was my music community and I just loved being able to like talk about the best funk music and like listen to like an old Shaka Khan recording and just like fangirl over it with my friends, you know? So like, I want to find that community here for sure. Cause I know it exists, but U of T is very much, it's just very big. So like when you're in a program, it's like, that's it, you know? So yeah. So I didn't really get to know many musicians, unfortunately, but hopefully now I will. <laughs> One of my funniest memories um, from when you lived in Victoria was like I would go to like house parties at your place and it would be like yeah. with everyone that you were just mentioning and in the living room like someone would put on a song and then all of you because you're all in the band together would like get into full-on like choreographed <laughs> movements and harmonies with it yeah. and then I'd like slowly yeah. back out of the room and then go to the kitchen and it would be like three other people that are just like you're not in it either hey and I'm like no <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know I feel kind of bad yeah. about that sometimes no they were so funny they were so fun but I remember just like every once in a while I'd be like oh my god yeah it's like a cult <laughs> a doo-wop like, harmony well it was like cult. being part of like an episode of like right high school music or like a, like a high school musical like sequence where like everyone it's like the closest totally. you get to like a real life musical you're like because everyone not only knows the song but knows the moves to the song yeah and knows like every harmony and the parts and yeah <laughs> and when you're like slightly intoxicated that's like a really weird <laughs> yeah yeah i get that yeah 
Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, I don't want to bug my friends who are not musical <laughs> with with more music. Like, you know, like not that it's you know, music is so broad. There are people who consume it and then don't play music, and that's great. We need those people if you know people want to be artists and make money and just have a you know a lifestyle where you can actually perform your music for a living. That's amazing. That's such a privilege. But you know, I like sometimes I like don't play stuff around my friends because I'm like you guys have heard me play my guitar and sing for you like so many times and like they're so nice about it here they're like no we want to hear you like but it's it's definitely not the same as like being able to actually jam with people and like know that like they're as equally (laughs) included as you are you know so yeah but they can also provide like feedback and like a conversation that's just at a different level than like a consumer of music can, right? Like no matter how interested somebody is, like if you Exactly. Yeah, or like no matter like how much like they are, yeah, interested in supporting you and giving feedback, like it's only yeah, from somebody that's doing the same thing, it's going to be a lot more rich and deep. Yeah, and especially people who like know your progress. Like I remember one time or like, you know, people will come up to you after shows and like just people in the audience and they'll be like that was amazing you guys are awesome and you're like thank you thank you thank you like yeah thanks <laughs> like it's really sweet and that's mm-hmm. great but when it's a musician that you respect like when like Greg Von John, the few times because he's particular and I I appreciate that but like the few times he said to me like this was so cool what you did here like this lick that you did or like you know he's like congratulated me on like a particular performance of a song I'm just like okay that's that I take really uh deeply you know so that's yeah that's cool to have people like that around who really get it and like are are passionate about it and yeah is the music that you're writing and the music that you want to make kind of within that similar like sound space of R&B or is it a bit different yeah I mean it's weird because I get like I love soul music but I also find myself like hypercritical of so much stuff that's coming out like that's just derivative of the genre you know like okay like leon bridges is great but i get really bored really fast so like the the motown sound i love the songs they're classic recordings but at the same time like you know a four chord groove with a tambourine gets really old to me so like i think i'm more interested in artists who i mean i say i use the word fusion kind of loosely because like all music is fusion like genres come out of other genres that's just how music progresses right but like people like jacob collier um even like maggie rogers the pop music she's doing is like undefinable by genre leon la havas like kimbra oh my god kimbra like these these artists that are just taking these like these different elements of things whether it's conscious or not and then creating uh just these soundscapes like that's that's more what I'm interested in, just whatever feels like representative of whatever the song's about. But I guess like some tropes that I would probably fall victim to. <laughs> it's like really beautiful layered harmonies. Like, you know, I hear the beginning of When the Party's Over by Billie Eilish and I'm like, yes, Phineas O'Connell, like all of those vocal tracks and the way that he's produced them. Like, oh my God, it's like that, that just gets me going so I definitely have like a vibe that I love and but I I don't know it's hard to say like a genre even though my roots are in soul music because I also listen to like a lot of pop music like you know like I love Ariana Grande I love Billie Eilish I love I also love like rock singers like there's this 
this woman donna missile who can sing her face off and like i'm obsessed with her you know so anyways there's it's just too hard to define i don't know but i would say like i i think my my ear it tends towards like jazz like and again jazz i use loosely loosely because it's like to me it means just like more uh interesting harmony or just taking your ear further from where it would naturally go like you know not just working within that safe space of home in the in what in the harmony you know like just pushing it a little bit a little deeper so that's what i would say about genre i don't know i could go on for hours about that (laughs) sorry (laughs) yeah no it's a really interesting topic and like it's been an interesting one to talk about with a lot of guests yeah and i think like there are if you want to sell records like if you want to make money in a certain genre like you'll probably do research into what sells in that genre like what works musically lyrically like you know like (laughs) i was just researching max martin who writes for like britney spears he wrote like hit me baby one more time and like he's written stuff for Katy perry and taylor swift and um ariana grande and he like has all these theories of you know how to write a good pop song and i understand that like if that's your profession then you have to know pop music inside and out and and certain things do they do make money and there are trends and all that stuff so it is hard not to talk about genre and also genre is like like I think it's more useful to define yourself by the artists that you listen to because they're not even really defined by a genre right like they define the genre that you then identify with which is just an amalgamation of people's ideas <laughs> you know yeah anyways that's kind of deep who's your favorite do you have a favorite artist Ugh, it's so hard I mean like you know I love Beyonce like I, know, ugh, I love Beyonce. Beyonce she's just like yeah she's not human um vocally um yeah performance wise and her new album that lion king album is just stunning it takes me right back to ghana like oh there's this there's this one song everyone should check out called other side and it's like it's almost like a bach um prelude with this piano part and then it has this african choir come in and it's like the most beautiful thing i've ever heard like this joining of musical worlds and like Ugh, just the artists she works with too are like real African artists like people I listened to when I was in Ghana like anyway so again fusion I love that so that album's great um yeah Jacob Collier I'm always obsessed with but ugh, fa- favorite artist is too hard like I love Prince I love Aretha Franklin I love Stevie Wonder so much like probably the greatest songwriter in my eyes Stevie Wonder for sure but then I also love current artists like Leon Le Havas Kimbra Sarah Burrell is like, I don't know, hard to say. There's no answer. Anyone who has one answer to that needs to do more research on more music. <laughs> Mine is ABBA. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh my God. It's a question that's easiest for me to answer. <laughs> I can't wait until I have enough room that I can have four dogs and name them after each of the other. Oh members. my God. Like, so that's so great. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. <laughs> So throughout while I've been doing the podcast, obviously I was able, because I didn't really know anything about music or the industry or like was that connected to the industry here, I kind of took the approach of a novice throughout my seasons of just kind of learning like what the roles were and like 
knowing that there are a lot of students in my position that come from business backgrounds that like maybe are interested in working in entertainment, kind of like what they could do in the industry outside of being artists, if maybe that's not what they or where their talents lie or like what they do. So that's kind of what I was doing for the last two seasons. And I guess like as like we've talked about this, but some of the key themes that kind of kept coming up that are kind of interesting potentially for the development of the podcast were the topic of like the flattening and democratization of the music industry, which is something that came off time and time again, came up time and time again. Um, but a lot in season two with like Kate Waddy, Lisa Logatenko, and Britt Ayton, and then also kind of some of the diversity of the careers that can lead you to careers in music, if that's like where your passions really lie. You know, things that we heard like with Jonathan Simkin, who like started out as like a criminal lawyer and Christina Lau, who has like a degree on relating to music and now is an artist herself, and Raquel, who's gone through a ton of different career paths, um, which was really cool because even like for myself, like I never thought that I would be working in the music industry. I technically, I guess I've been doing that for the better part of this year now, but like, you know, like I was like studying abroad and like November rolled around and I was like, oh crap, I'm not going to graduate if I don't do this. And like this was the one that was the most interesting to me just in the sense that it was for a creative industry, even if it wasn't for necessarily the industry that I saw myself working in, um, which was in fashion. Right. And I think that kind of touches on a point that's that you were just talking about. And especially in terms of like branding for artists, like music careers are diverse. Like they're, they touch on so many different fields and like, you know, part of being an artist is having an image. And so it kind of does touch on fashion in a way, you know, if you're talking to artists about how, how they develop a sort of identity. So that's kind of cool. And I think that sort of diversity and just, you know, wearing many hats is something that I took away from the last season, especially. And uh, yeah, like Christina Lau talking about like, continual learning and like constantly challenging oneself. I think that is a huge reason why I felt I could do this podcast and I could take it over because, you know, I am, I come from the performing side and, you know, I did it quote unquote professionally. So I was paid, but I don't come from like what I would consider a professional background. I I consider myself very much a novice, um, but someone who's really passionate about it and stuff. But, you know, my education is in social justice studies and um i've done like research design and like writing papers so i think learning about or hearing about people's experience sort of on these winding paths of how they became involved in the industry is really interesting to me and and definitely something that has driven me to this point to be like okay i want to learn about the music industry so i'm going to learn how to do you know interviews and recording and make a podcast <laughs> because i think you know, hearing that people just took on these roles and then went with it. That's that's really cool to hear about, I think, as someone who's like new to the industry and hopefully helpful for other people listening as well. So yeah, I think that's a great takeaway from the last season, especially. And so much of the advice too that people have to offer like applies to any any field because like so much of it is just like, well, if it's something you're interested in, something you want to do, just kind of get out and start doing it. Exactly. I think like so many people are just waiting for like the right opportunity or they're like, oh, like I'm underqualified to do this. And it's like, right. yeah, okay. Like if you're like going into medicine, probably like don't do some weird things before you get your degree. Um, but like just <laughs> going out and volunteering and like meeting people. And I don't know, like I've learned so much in the last like 
six months just like doing information interviews and just like talking oh to God, as many yeah. people as you can and the connections that you make are crazy yeah because like especially as a student like if you're not looking for a job or you don't really want anything from anybody except for just like two minutes of their time to buy them a coffee and just like ask questions to learn yeah. a little bit about what they have to say yeah yeah most people are so gracious and they're so kind and yeah because everyone's been in our position right like I think that's yeah. the scary thing that's like when you're graduating especially and you're like oh my god what am I doing and you ha- you hear about these job fairs and they're like build your resume you know get this experience and it feels very high pressure but then when you look at people's background, yeah, it's usually like they just sort of found themselves in a position or they started something they didn't think would be a huge deal. And then it turned out changing their life. And like, yeah, that's I, yeah, those stories are really great to have access to. So the last two seasons have been great for that, I think, um, in terms of like understanding the personal development of a career, whether it's in business or, you know, creative arts or whatever. Yeah. It's cool. Um, so that's what I was doing. Yeah. What are you gonna do? What's what's next? So we wrapped we just wrapped up season two. If you haven't listened to it, please go do that. The the finale I spoke to Aliyah and Josh from the Sunset Kids. They were so lovely. Yeah. So what what are you what what's your plan for All right. season two? So for season three. <laughs> oh yeah. So what's your plan for season three? <laughs> so for season three of Off Key, we're thinking of creating a sort of Music Industry 101, um, which will hopefully be an educational resource for newcomers to the music industry, especially in the Canadian context. Um, Obviously, the Canadian music industry is tied into the international industry as well, especially with the rise of like, you know, digital streaming and the internet and building access to music and expanding artist fan bases internationally. But we wanted to highlight the key organizations that songwriters and performers should be aware of in Canada, since like most of the info out there is relatively focused on the U.S. context. So we're going to create a how-to for how a creator, whether they're creating written or recorded music, can make money and who and what they should be aware of in the industry. So, yeah. That's awesome. It <laughs> should be cool. Um, sort of the the structure of the episodes will be centered on looking at the two key players in the creation of music. So looking at the songwriter, and then the performer slash recording artist. So looking at their rights and roles, how they earn money, what they should be aware of, and like in terms of copyrights and royalties, what organizations they should connect with, who is on their team, who do they work with, um, stuff like that. And as I've done some research, obviously I'm new to the sort of industry side of music, um, but as I've done some research on this more, I've realize that the divide between the songwriter and the artist is really important like even if an artist is both songwriter and performer they're like two different sets of rights so the rights over a sound recording which would be like the master rights those are owned by the recording artist or the label or and the label that funded that master recording and then the rights over a musical composition are a different thing which would be owned by the songwriters or the publishers so i'm going to talk about that divide kind of and use use that as like the fork in the road just go down two avenues and hopefully just get a better understanding for how a creator navigates this industry that is you know also governed by laws and like things they should be aware of in that case and how copyright works and how they make money just all that sort of stuff that 
is hard to really grasp, I guess. So it'll be a lot of exploring and asking questions of people that artists work with and that songwriters work with, like lawyers, producers, publishers, collection societies, grant and funding societies, um, or even like educators uh, on music business. So it'll be interesting. We'll see. I'm going to learn a lot, which I'm very excited for. <laughs> I'm excited for you and I'm excited to listen to it as well. It's really interesting. Like I'm sure you learned as like when you're doing research for the podcast, there's like not a lot of podcasts on music that no. aren't, or sorry, about music that aren't, <coughs> sorry. Um, I sound like I just went through puberty <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going through it currently. What am I saying? That aren't on like music itself. Yeah. That aren't like focused on an artist or focused on an album or a song or about that. Yeah. Which. Right. Like about the industry side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. So that should be really interesting. Yeah. And it's like all those little questions that like, I don't know, I think of like when I'm doing, when I'm writing a paper, for example, and I'm like trying to come up with like the methodology, all those little things you have to, that you have to put in your research proposal, like snacks for interviewees and like pens and paper, recording device, like all these things you need to like really think out. I think that's sort of what it's going to be. It's going to be like a methodology for building a career as a creator and so you know questions like how do I register a copyright with SoCan what should I be aware of when signing a record deal with a label what is my share in the royalties on a sound recording that I performed on or of a song that I wrote so stuff like that and there's a lot of info on that on the U.S. but I think it would be great to represent the Canadian perspective and also do it in perhaps a more accessible way as someone who is new to it because there are podcasts there's one that I've been listening to by oh what's his name he's like the manager or the the old manager of taylor swift and he has this podcast called the music industry blueprint and it's really great but it is a little like a little too in-depth sometimes like i feel like it's created for industry professionals already you know so something that's sort of like tiptoeing the line between just like surface level questions to like more detailed yeah more detailed research but still in a digestible way for people like me who are just like, I write songs and I like music and I want to do it <laughs> in some sort of way. How do I do it? You know, so we'll see. It'll be great. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm. This is like a really like fun project for me, but I am like really excited to hear what you're doing with it and to like move on to the next chapter of like my life. Totally. And focus on some other projects. Yeah, but- absolutely. When Offkey really takes off, you can make the the merch. Yeah. I'll be fully outfitted by Lynx Arnold. Excellent. <laughs> That'll be my brand Brand's on Instagram. Watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but if people are interested in where they can find you or get in touch with you, if they have any questions about what you're doing or if they want to connect with you, where should they go? Okay, so I'm on Instagram. So at Talia SW. So T-A-L-I-Y-A-S-W. That's mainly the thing that I use for social media <laughs> and then also if they want us to shoot me an email with any questions or recommendations for season three or if they would perhaps like to share their expertise if they have some insight into the industry uh, my email is t.sideman s-e-i-d-m-a-n dash right w-r-i-g-h-t at membrane.net i will link everything in the description for the episode as well awesome so you can bother child there yeah do it okay (laughs) thank you so much yeah thank you 
Thanks again for listening and for all of your support with the project. I really appreciate it. And once again, if you've enjoyed Off Key, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. They really do help. And if you have any topics that you'd like Talia to explore in Season 3, you can email offkey at membrand.net or send us a message at membranelabs on Instagram. Offkey and Fault Tolerant, our sibling podcast on tech and blockchain, are both produced by Membrane Entertainment Canada, aka Membrane Labs, a music services company that provides distribution services for the export of Canadian music. We're also exploring blockchain technology to create a more transparent and secure ecosystem for music's rights owners to get paid. If you're interested in recording your own podcast at Membrane Labs, you can find out more info on our website, www.membranelabs.com. But that is it for now from me. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me over on Instagram at Linsa Arnold. Thanks and bye. <laughs>